This is Fashion in Focus, the weekly New Zealand fashion podcast covering our creative world from a unique perspective. My name is India Leishman. And I'm Murray Bevan. And every week, we'll connect you with the leading designers, editors, influencers, and stylists from all over the world. If you love fashion, this is the podcast for you. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fashion in Focus. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by the spectacularly talented Kiki Stanners, the woman who can make anyone's, well, yeah, anyone's face look beyond flawless. Starting her journey in the fashion industry almost 15 years ago, Kiki Stanners has seen and done a lot. Taking her first career steps at Zambezi in 2005, she soon worked out her deepest passion lay in another part of the industry. And so after two years, she made the leap into the world of makeup artistry. In the years that ensued, Kiki's worked her way up to being one of Mac's top global artists, working with brands including Balmain, Kenzo, Machino, Missoni, Max Mara, Roberto Cavalli, and many more. She's done covers for Black Magazine, Fashion Quarterly, Denizen, and Viva. It's her years of experience in this industry that's made her someone I was very keen to talk to on this podcast. Kiki has a very cool energy about her. Those of you who follow her on her Instagram will know exactly what I'm talking about. She's impeccably stylish, but she's still very edgy too. Most of you will recognise her work, perhaps more than her name, but I suspect she'll be okay with that, considering she's the mastermind behind some of Mac's greatest looks, including their collaboration with Lord. It's her refreshing approach and creativity on projects that's led her to be where she is today. So Kiki, welcome and thank you so much for joining me. Thanks so much for having me. It's very exciting to be with you today. Um, you know, I wanted to start off in quite an obvious place, I guess, talking to you because, you know, your first job in fashion, you came out of uni doing a fashion design degree at AUT yeah. um, and then you went on to work for Zambezi and more the production side, so doing things like cutting samples, tailoring garments and so on. Can you tell me about what those early years were like for you? It was amazing. Um, As a recent fashion graduate, I was so stoked and so honoured that I got a job at such a prestigious company like Zambezi. I was already like a total fangirl. And it was my dream to be able to start out my career in, you know, a place that I you know, held so highly. Um, so I was really honoured to get a position in uh, the back of house and actually just see exactly how the industry operated, exactly get a feel for what happened behind the scenes, how everything went into production and got such a good insight in terms of like the whole all round fashion industry. Mm. And I wondered whether perhaps you'd been one of those people who actually, you know, you were did a design degree at AUT. Did you want to be a, a fashion designer? Was that ever the, the goal before you got totally. into it? Yeah. Totally. As a, as a kid, all I wanted to be was a fashion designer. I loved that creative styling aspect. Um, I've always loved clothes. Um, and that was, that was absolutely my dream. Um, and it was so amazing to go and work for a fashion designer and, and learn the, the tools of the trade and get all of that kind of hands-on experience. Um, but I did definitely start to see a glimpse into another world that I was really drawn into. Yeah. And I was going to ask you about that. Was there a specific same moment or anything where you actually were like, hmm, the makeup side is starting to attract my attention a bit more? Because I guess it's, you know, they are in some respects, they're quite similar you know, areas. It's all about creating a look, you know, yeah. and whether it's clothing or, or... Yeah, I mean... I still laugh at the fact that I'm a makeup artist because it was never my grand plan and I was never a makeup girl. Like I was never into makeup when I was younger. I was a total tomboy. And I still laugh at the fact that that's what I do now. (laughs) Um, But yeah, to be honest with you, literally just one day I just had this like lightning bolt of, you know what? I'm really into makeup. I'm really into design. I'm really into being artistic. And I used to, when I was working at Zambezi, I used to work at the shows and I would see the Mac team come and be backstage creating the makeup. And Mm. I would see the senior artists come and design the makeup in the workroom. And I was like, you know what? that actually looks really cool and you get to be creative, you get to work in the industry and you're actually getting to be your own designer and literally overnight I was like, I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to go to Mac. I'm going to be like, hey, can I come work for you because I'm really into your brand. I'm really into your your aesthetic. I love that you work in fashion 
and um, miraculously got hired. Yeah. It's amazing, actually, because I think looking at you and, as I say, anyone who follows your Instagram will know, like, you obviously love black, you know, but that works <laughs> with the, the MAC aesthetic, isn't it? Yes, <laughs> yes. The, hand in hand. I love I love wearing black, yeah. but also it is my uniform. Exactly, but that's great. I mean, to have your natural passions and, you know, who you choose to identify with or how the clothes you wear, the makeup you do, to yeah. work in line with a brand, that sounds yeah. like a dream job, really, for yeah. a lot of people, I would think. Yeah. And, um, you know, to be completely honest, um, you know, I went into MAC with no makeup experience whatsoever. Yes. I totally faked it and I totally lied um, oh, really? to get my job in the first place. Uh, God forbid anyone ever sees the makeup trial that I had to do at my interview because I had no idea what I was doing oh whatsoever. Gosh. And I just like had this passion and this drive and I was like, I'm sure I can figure this out. I'm sure I can learn. You know, I, I've got an eye. I, I, I've studied design. You know, if I pour my heart into this, I'm sure I can teach myself how to do makeup. And I wanted to learn at the best place possible, which, in my opinion, was at Mac. Yeah, that's actually must be a very encouraging statement to hear for a lot of people listening. Because you know, to think you were sort of like, oh yeah, I'll just you know go in there, give it a crack. Because they think that is crazy for so many young people getting into jobs, you know, careers these days. They feel like, oh god, I need to know so much already. But a yeah, lot of the time, totally. it is actually going in there a bit blind and thinking, I'm quite passionate about this. I'd be keen to give it a go. And yeah, obviously, it's done wonders for you. Yeah, I mean, I had a lot to prove. Yeah. You know, all of a sudden, I got this amazing job at Mac. And I had to learn really quickly yeah. and I had to, um, you know, pour myself into um, learning the trade of makeup. Yeah. And um, yeah, I did have a lot to prove, but I was super passionate about it. Before we move on to Matt, because I've got a lot of questions about that, but I did just want to ask you, um, and it might seem like a bit of a funny question, but I guess looking back now, are you at all great? Well, you, I'm sure you would be grateful for your time at Zambezi because I do feel like these days a lot of people start out in one job. They're thinking, this is the thing for me. And then perhaps they get to a point they go, actually, I'm not quite sure. So they move into something else. And then you can be left with that mindset of, damn it, I've just wasted mm, two years doing mm -hmm. whatever. But I also imagine there would be a lot of transferable skills from the you know the production design that sort of side of things to mm -hmm. then you know makeup artistry yeah totally of course yes I was like I, you know I've got a fashion degree and that's what I've studied that's what I've like poured myself into for years what am I doing jumping ship to something that's like a totally different trade um, but no the skills and the experience and the people that you meet um, are just as important and I think that you know, I was 20 when I started at Zambezi and to be able to be alongside very esteemed designers, stylists, all of the professionals in the industry at the time, um, it's such a good experience to actually, you know, in a way, um, develop a maturity in terms mm. of how to work in the business yeah. and and how to work as a team and to see how collaboratively all of that comes together, yeah. that it was really important and to see that how, you know, when it comes to fashion, if it's working on shows, like it's a whole collaborative effort. Mm. It's it's not just, you know, putting some clothes on a runway. There are so many different people and parts of the puzzle that come together to put all of that together. That yeah. um, it's so transferable and I, you know, I think now it's like learning the skill of an eye for detail and, mm. and all of those other elements that come into play, whatever creative industry you go into. I guess that would be the lucky thing for you being in fashion, you know, because whether you're working at Zambezi or makeup, it is a lot of the time, unless you're doing, you know, say theatrical makeup, it is going to be that same industry. So that would be quite good because, you know, often when you're starting out and you're young, having a good foundation in an industry or really understanding the lay of the land can be massively beneficial in the later years because you actually can sit back and go yeah I know how to deal with the situation totally and I'm I'm such a big advocate for you know sometimes your skill and what your talent is is only a small part of it mm -hmm. that everything else your relationships your how you operate with people how you work together is is such a big piece too that all of all of that no matter where your actual job is comes together to kind of build your career mm. later down the track yeah it's all layers working towards the big plan, yeah. isn't it yeah I like to I like to you know hold myself to that I'm like this is all part of a bigger plan and you know yeah. you start off one plan yeah. 
yes. and where things end up is probably quite different, but it'll, it's all little building blocks. Yeah, it? and then sometimes you look back and you're like, I'm so glad that you yeah. did the time learning these kind of behind the scenes things that the people don't see outwardly, you know, like I think now, um, obviously we live in such an industry that is so fast and, and everyone's so hungry to get somewhere so quickly. And I'm such, I'm, I'm really strong in the fact that you've kind of got to do the behind the scenes stuff first, mm. make your mistakes, learn things, get to know people and kind of do it privately and yeah. a little bit more behind the scenes and then when you are starting to grow and develop in your career you've kind of done all that stuff so that you're ready to kind of present yourself in a way that um, you feel confident in what you know and um, what you have learned. Yeah absolutely I can definitely imagine that because I do think you know I work in television and even then I, I sometimes think it's beneficial to be learning those errors when you're young. Maybe you make a mistake or you think actually maybe this isn't for me but you better to learn that and really know now and invest all this time into something and then go actually I'm not quite sure this is the right fit or totally. I don't like this work environment or whatever it may be. Um, Alright let's fast forward a few years to when you were with Mac, you've been with Mac for a while. I have heard they offer a really incredible training for for new artists coming in can yeah. you um tell me a little bit about you know what that training actually was because I'm sure it would have been beneficial to you if you yeah. hadn't had the academy stuff and um I guess yeah what's the environment what was it like when yeah you first it's started? um you know it's something that I'm really proud of that I was like you know what actually I was probably a bit more defiant yeah. and more than anything being like I don't want to go and study makeup I'm going to go and learn in the environment that I actually want to learn from and Mac as a brand has always been a fashion backstage brand and that's exactly where I wanted to go mm. and I kind of figured I want to learn from the best I want to learn from people at Mac that I respect and admire that already have careers that can teach me exactly the skills and the technique that I want to learn in terms of my career mm. rather than potentially going and spending time studying and learning techniques that I may not be using mm. um so Mac is an, has always been such an incredible uh, training ground. And I think, you know, if we look at so many really successful makeup artists in their own right now, potentially most of them would have started at Mac once upon a time. And yeah, we, we um, offer such a strong training ground from senior artists like myself or senior trainers um, who have worked for the brand for such a long time. I kind of always say to my artists now, you know, there's probably nothing that you're going to experience that I haven't experienced already mm. um, to to pass on everything that I've learned onto them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it um, was such a great place to learn the skill of makeup, to learn the industry, to learn how to relate to people. Obviously, if you're working as a makeup artist, it's probably one of the most personal jobs you can do. Like mm-hmm. you're face to face with somebody, you have to be able to relate, you have to be able to bond, you have to be able to communicate. Um, and Mac definitely um, provided this incredible, um, you know, global company that you can see how well people have developed. And then in your local market, you had such esteemed professionals that were, um, you know, working with you on a beauty counter to teach you every mm-hmm. week. I I hear you talk a little bit about um, the skills and that you've learned, and I sort of wonder, as a makeup artist, do you? ever watch people do makeup maybe it's friends or you know your your mum or someone like that and is there like any specific thing that you're like oh my god everyone's doing this wrong this is just you know maybe it's like Uh. I would imagine being um brush pressure you know like a lot of people when they put on their foundation it's kind of like quite heavy and it's you know but when you watch a makeup artist do makeup it's always very light sort of strokes and it's true. like the slow build. That is true. Are there, any, are there little things like that that you're just like, oh my God, I can't watch this, uh, is, you know? <laughs> I try not to be like that because I feel like it's the first thing that anyone ever says to a makeup artist. They're like, oh God, don't look at my makeup today. Like it's rushed, it's not perfect. And I'm like, oh my God, stop it. Don't be silly. Like I'm totally not going to judge you based on no. your makeup application. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I think for me, um, my biggest pain when I'm watching people do makeup is potentially just going too heavy, yeah. you know, and, and, and feeling the need to, you know, create this mask like makeup. And I'm like, wait, no, hold back. Like, you know, just let, let your inner kind of like personality shine through rather than having to do like a whole lot of, of everything all at once. Yeah. And it's actually interesting you say that because I, um, feel as though these days perhaps maybe we're starting to move a bit more to that natural look there seems to be a lot well you know it depends where you are I guess but it feels like um 
you know, the dewy, glowy, naturally beautiful, flawless yeah. girl. That look seems to be quite yeah. popular yeah. at the moment. And it's funny because a lot of people say, you know, you shouldn't use um, makeup to mask yourself or hide things. You should use it to bring out your good qualities. So if you have great yeah. lips, wear something that shows off your great lips rather than, you know, packing them down with nude and doing small totally. or, you know, and I think that's been an interesting lesson for me along the way is try and accentuate your best features rather than using it to cover up the stuff you don't like. Yeah. And that way it will sort of, you yeah. know, it's an illusion, isn't it, really? Yeah. When people look at your face and they go, oh, yeah. great lips or yeah. whatever. Yeah, and I think that's like, it's also your own personal evolution too. You know, you always come to makeup in the first place to cover yes. or to, to, to yeah. hide, you know. It's 14 like year old all girls. of us, you know, you're young, you, you come to makeup, you, you, you get into it because you feel like you need to cover your skin or you need to open your eyes up or you need to reshape your brows. There's always a reason that's almost based on insecurity or, or some reason that you need to perfect and cover up. That's why you come in the first place. And then there's this kind of beautiful progression that happens in terms of your personal beauty style that you start to you know, maybe grow up and kind of get a bit more comfortable within yourself. And then you're like, actually, no, you know, like I do love my lips and I'm going to accentuate them yeah. or, you know, I'm going to wear less foundation because I'm re-falling in love with my skin. Yeah. It must be actually interesting seeing all the different features on people because I know even for me, when I was growing up, I used to pluck my eyebrows because I thought they were really bushy and oh, gross. We all and then now, you know, <laughs> the, the kind of more natural bushy brow is a, a look, I guess. I don't know if it's still a trend, but yes. for me, and I'm like, oh, I kind of have actually quite naturally all right eyebrows yes. so I've worked out that that's actually a feature that for so long I was you know yanking oh, away to get rid of them we've all been there with the brows yeah, that's the definitely 90s thin, you know the, the, the one the one area that I think that nearly every single one of us went through that phase of yeah. like uh, taking them all away and then you get a bit older and you're like why did I do that why have I got none left that's what my mum said she was like do not pluck them you'll I get know. to an age and you'll have none left and, and then, then you'll like, be really why didn't I listen to mum yeah, exactly. she was always right <laughs> um, you know talking about training as we were I guess I wanted to ask you whether you think it's crucial for people to be having training because I suspect your answer will be no, it's not. Um, you've obviously, you know, learnt on the job and you've been mm. self-taught um, and you've done very well for yourself. So is it crucial or for other people, I guess, listening? Obviously, yes. My opinion is no, you don't yeah. have to do training if you're passionate about something and you're willing to like put a lot of time and effort to learn and, and seek out the areas that you want to learn from you don't necessarily have to. I will say though that we're in a very different world now in terms of beauty because of digital and because of online content. Um, it's so much easier to learn from now, you know, like we never used to have any YouTube, we never used to have any Instagram tutorials to be able to learn from. So it's a lot more accessible now. I do think that um, having professional training does go a really long way in terms of building your confidence. Mm. You know, if you go to a makeup school, you are actually going to learn um, you know, all of the technical side of makeup and you can go into a career or into a job from there with a bit more confidence in terms of your skill set. It is a lot more of a competitive uh, environment really? these days, I would say. There is a lot more um, young people that are that see makeup artistry as a career now. Um, Why do you think that is? Is that because of Instagram and social media yes. and Kylie Jenner and all these people? Yes, yes. It's definitely been having a moment. You know, I think every single one of us will say that, you know, you can't deny beauty on Instagram. No. Like, it, it's everywhere. It's, yeah. you know, the amount of Instagram, brows on fleek, you know, highlight contour that everyone is bombarded with on social media. It definitely was having a moment. Mm. Um which is still, which is also really exciting that it, it is a really viable career now, mm. and I think there are a lot more um, people that that see it as a career. So it is a little bit more of a competitive industry. So I would say that if you do have professional training now, you've probably got a little bit more of an edge to get a job out in the field yeah, um, than someone that doesn't. It's interesting that you say that we're having a moment with it because I totally agree because you'll go down to, you know, whenever there's a Mac or a Sephora opening, the lines are just ridiculous. Like there are so many young girls yep. and guys who are, you know, camping out overnight because they're just so keen. And I, I live know. in a flat with, you know, there's I think seven seven girls, quite a big flat, but we do Ooh. birthday presents. And every single person's birthday present is a Mecca voucher. You cannot go wrong yeah. because you can go there and get your, your Mac, you know, your fat. Getting all confused in my words, but you can get a powder or whatever you really need. It yeah. is so 
common at the moment. Yeah. Everyone is just like obsessed with makeup. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I talk to young people and celebrity makeup artists or famous makeup artists are like rock stars to them now. Yeah. You know, it's like that it is a changing world. And I'm like, hey, aren't you guys inspired by like, you know, actual rock stars or musicians or like movie stars anymore? But they're like, nah, we actually um, love these artists. We love these makeup artists and to them, like that's the new rock star and that's who inspires them. So um, yeah, it's, it's definitely having a moment, which is super cool if you work in the industry. Fantastic. Um, so you have been working with Mac now for 12 and a half years, am I correct? Yes. 12 and a half years. I know. That's I amazing. started when I was 14. Oh <laughs> <No>. <laughs> exactly, yeah. It's terrifying when you think about yes. That's um, okay. We won't do years or anything like that. Um, so you've been there for, for a while. How would you say, you know, have things changed at all over the years? Roles aside, I'm looking more at the business. Yep. Has the culture changed, the environment, the, you know, or is it sort of the same what it was it has changed completely yeah um just to go back to the digital environment you know like when I started um we just had Facebook you know like if anyone can possibly imagine a world that Instagram and YouTube didn't exist mm. um it was a, a completely different world yeah. um so it's I hard think, to go back and think about that I eh, know like can you know I, I feel like if you know if you're talking to a 20 year old now like how on earth can they possibly imagine a world without YouTube yeah. or without Instagram it's crazy um, so I would I would definitely say that has had the biggest impact and the biggest change in terms of the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, from what I do at Mac and, and from a Mac environment, that has definitely <clears throat> stayed very true to the fact that, you know, we are a industry makeup brand that services backstage, that works in fashion, um, that works within the creative industry. Mm-hmm. And we still do really strong training and development for our artists. So all of that has stayed exactly the same but obviously the way that we do it now has had to evolve Mm. you know we do a lot more digital content we do a lot more tutorial work um, because that's probably the easiest way um, to be able to access um, our artists and and to develop talent and to leverage people and build up their careers when we're all working way faster and around the clock these days so it's kind of the easiest touch point to be able to get through get get to everyone and um, and still offer that training and development. Yeah, and I mean, you have been a, a Mac Global Senior Makeup Artist, is that for about four years, am I correct? Yeah, four or five years four now. Four or five years. What is that role? Can you tell us a little bit about what you, you do on a daily or, you know, throughout the year? Are you travelling overseas? I imagine you do quite a bit of, well, I know you do, a lot of travel actually. Um, tell us a little bit about, about what you do. So my role as a global senior artist, I'm part of a, a global team of senior makeup artists that essentially are based in like nearly every you know major market around the world that there is a Mac um, market. And we are a team of artists that we travel internationally to work at you know the top international fashion weeks. So we'll do New York, London, Milan and Paris. Um, working backstage and we'll bring all of that information all of those trends all of those new product technology back to our local markets Um, essentially we operate as a a makeup artist and a spokesperson for the brand in Mm. our in our local market but our jobs are so varied like I couldn't even tell anyone what a you know, day-to-day, week-to-week schedule would be like because we are working with anyone in the industry that the brand aligns with or sponsors. So one day I may be working with the Royal New Zealand Ballet to do a makeup tutorial with them or to design a makeup for a new production. Um, I may be working on a video clip with Paris Goble and the request dancers on another day. I may be directing a show for a New Zealand designer or I may be working with local media and teaching them about new products that are being released and product technology and how they use those products. Or I may be working with my artists and doing a body painting workshop with them. It's so um, good. I so can't believe it's, it. Um, it is a really exciting job. And I think, um, you know, all of us are the same. I think we'd get particularly bored if we were doing the same type of makeup day in, day out. Mm-hmm. Um, keeps us on our toes. Um, but for me, it's super cool because it everything is this whole kind of different storytelling aspect when it comes to makeup and you know the type of makeup that I would design for a show is going to be completely different to the type of makeup that I'm doing for a dancer that needs to wear it for 
you know, the next 15 hours dancing. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that's my favourite part of the job, that you're constantly being a problem solver as well, you know, like you're having to think about um, the physical element of the makeup, let alone the, um, you what know, the, the aesthetic. Yeah. yeah. Do you have a favourite... Um, I guess, you know, role to do, whether it is, you know, directing for a show, you know, or prepping uh, a, a look I, for a ballet. Like, is there something that you're always like, yes, I'm doing this today, stoked? Oh, uh, I will I will forever love being a show director because yeah. I love the whole story of a show, like the magic of when a show comes to life, that the styling, the soundtrack, the show venue, all of that comes together to tell this, like, really beautiful story that's just kind of like this, ah, it's all come together and it looks gorgeous and it's amazing. Your and little it's, baby. You know, there yeah, is. It's, you, you, you know, one, one little cog in the wheel, yeah. um, but it all comes together to just be like, this moment of magic mm. um, so I, I still absolutely love directing shows yeah. um, but you know like working on a video clip is is super fun for me as well too I just love working with talent mm. I love working with creatives and um, you know aligning my vision with their vision too yeah let's talk a little bit about um, the shows you've done because you as you said before have done a number of international fashion weeks London Paris Milan Shanghai Australia New Zealand uh, can you set the scene for uh, us I guess about what those weeks are actually like because I would imagine there's a lot of work in the build-up obviously coming up with yeah. a look that sort of thing yeah. but also the weeks itself every fashion week that I've ever attended or gone to as media it's hectic it is so flat out what is that experience like for you build up and during <laughs> lucky I love it yeah. <laughs> lucky I Thank love God. the drama the excitement the like you know on edge quick 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 yeah um so working at international shows, um, we are just part of the team. So I'm not necessarily a makeup director. So to do like London, Milan or Paris, um, you're part of the team that come together to execute the makeup backstage. So um, that is hectic. Um, I would dare say it's probably not for everyone. I don't know that people want to get up at four o'clock in the morning uh, for three weeks and be jet lagged and literally have no idea what day it is, what time it is. Just know that you've got to be on the bus at five o'clock in the morning and then you may be doing shows for that full day. Um, it, it, it's wild. It's wild. Um, yeah, you, you're kind of, um, you go, you're in a backstage environment. The, the special thing about shows is that time is of the essence. You know, it's not an environment that you've got three hours to create a perfect makeup. Mm. Um, you know, you could be at a show and doing a whole lot of sitting around and waiting, and then you've got 10 minutes to actually get the makeup on, and then it's showtime. Um, it, it can be crazy. And, wow. and also in that kind of environment, you don't know what the makeup's going to be until you get to the show. You know, it may be a really great beauty makeup, cool, great. You know, yeah. you can do it quickly. It may be a crazy old Vivian Westwood painted face, and then all of your models are running from another show, and you've got 10 of them, you've got to get the makeup off get their hair in a sink and wash the like the hair out and then yeah. like do the makeup when they're lying in a sink and they're getting the nails done at the same time and then it's like they've got to be dressed in that show in another five minutes um that's the wild part that i oh love oh my lord i have no <laughs> um, that's, idea that's when it gets fun that's I when it gets fun had hours or something you know, uh, for no no um oh. and especially if you're working on the big shows obviously you've got the big girls that are booked in the shows too you've got the supermodels that yes. um are busy and they're doing back-to-back -back shows so there is a lot more pressure in that kind of environment yeah. to actually know what you're doing and mm. be able to do it really quickly yeah um and then you do it all over again day in day out um, for and a couple of weeks <laughs> and so it is definitely this wild mad bubble of show season yeah. that you kind of lose your mind a little bit at the end um, and you kind of really need a day or two in your own personal space because um, sometimes your backstages are very tiny and you have a lot of people pushing and pulling you and you're on your hands and knees um, doing perfect bodies and making sure that those models legs are looking perfect whatever it may be um it it's sounds, pretty wild. <laughs> it actually sounds wild. I had no idea it was yeah. that intense. Um, but, you know, when you've got a crew, you know, a backstage crew that are all your pals and you're all in there doing what you do, it is super fun. Yeah. Um, obviously, when it comes to New Zealand Fashion Week, um, as a director, that's when I have a lot more pressure on me to do all the 
work beforehand. So that's all the prep work, meeting with designers, um, looking at the collection, kind of getting a feel for what is the story that, that they're telling this season, who is their muse, and doing my research in terms of makeup ideas, um, looking at the casting, seeing what's going to work on, on what models that are booked, making sure it works with the hair, making sure it works with the soundtrack, mm. that everything cohesively comes together. I want to ask you a little bit about collaboration because I think anyone who's looking at being, you know, a, a makeup artist or working, at, you know, as a hair stylist or anything along those lines, or even a model, you're, you know, there's always going to be a lot of collaboration around these shows. Yeah. What is that process like for you? Because I imagine being someone who's very creative is it ever challenging when you're, you know, clashing with a, um, a hair, you know, stylist or, or the stylist for the show or whatever it is. Is that hard or does everyone sort of? You know, is it push-pull or is it come together quite um, naturally? It, I mean, and everything's always really different. I, I would say, you know, when it comes to directing shows for New Zealand Fashion Week, um, you have a time pressure on you. Like, a lot of the time we won't be doing the hair and makeup trial until the day before the show. So there is a lot of stress in that kind of environment. There's a lot weighing on a designer that's, you know, put a lot of hard work to put a collection together and spend a lot of money to put on a show. Um, there are, can be a lot of heightened emotions um, in that situation. But, you know, it, to me, and I always say it to younger makeup artists, it's all about the collaboration piece and making sure that the final result tells a really beautiful story. Yeah. As a makeup artist, I feel like I can do any makeup under the sun. Like I could create whatever it may be um, for a particular show, but if it isn't harmonious with what else is happening, it's going to look totally out of place. Mm. It's not your time as a makeup artist to be like, I'm going to pull out everything and the kitchen sink to show off how good I am at makeup. Yeah. Um, if it doesn't work and it's it's completely contradicting, you know, the setting and the styling and everything else that's pulling that show together, it looks totally wrong. Yeah. And, and that's why for me, you know, researching and, and totally understanding who is this muse that we're trying to create is really important. Mm. I remember you, you know, uh, talking about this earlier, well, it would have been last year at the Showroom uh, 22 speaker series that we did, and you talked about, you know, how collaboration was a big part of the role. I think there was you and um, Kylie Cook, who was the stylist, and she was talking about it, and then we had a model agent, and everyone's talking about you've got to be very, you're good with collaborating with people. But you also mentioned that a big part of the job is about attitude um, and talking about the importance of having a great attitude when you're working on set with different people. Can I guess you explain for us why it is so crucial for people, particularly working in a smaller country like New Zealand, to yeah. have you know, a good um, reputation or, or be yeah. an approachable person? Yeah. Well, it's your job and I feel like none of us want to work with a grumpy, you know, grumpy person that's part of the team. You want to actually enjoy what you're doing and, and yeah, it's super important that you actually can get on with people and it's actually, it comes together harmoniously. Um is it the difference it's, between getting hired back in another time or, you know, I people totally that think so yeah. because at the end of the day, I will always tell people that I'm training or developing that anyone can learn the skill of makeup, mm. but not everyone has the skill of being able to relate to people or mm. make people feel comfortable or um, to actually work together to create this end result. It's not all about you as the makeup artist. It's the end result that's the most important yeah. um, that you know, skill-wise, anyone can do it, but to have an edge and to have a niche and to have something that makes you stand out above everyone else is really important. And you've got to be likable. People want people like want to hang out with people that they actually like. So it's just as important. Yeah, it's a no-brainer. Be yeah. have a good attitude. Be happy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess I wanted to also ask because you have been in this industry for a wee while. Is there any piece of you know advice that you would give to someone who might be listening to this and thinking? you know, I'd really like to get in, involved in this industry. What What are the things um, that you've thought that was really helpful to know? Maybe it is attitude or, you know, yeah. turning up on time or something as that simple as that. That is very important too. Time is money. <laughs> yes. If you're wasting time by being late and not turning up when you're supposed to be there. Yep. I'm such a believer in that you never stop learning, you know, yeah. like especially as a makeup artist, it, technology is constantly changing, trends are constantly changing. That yeah. the second you um, become, you know, a little bit too self-righteous or potentially your ego maybe get a little, you know, yeah. it's got a little inflated. But complacent. <laughs> um, it's when 
you know, you kind of start hitting a wall and I will forever be a a big believer in the fact that I will never stop learning. Mm. There is always going to be a job that I get booked on that I've never done before. You know, you're always going to all of a sudden, oh, you're doing an underwater shoot. How are you going to do a completely waterproof makeup? Or, you know, you're going to be doing a job that's on location and it needs to be body painted, whatever it may be. There are always things that you're going to come across that you haven't done before and to keep a really humble, um, open mind and the fact that you constantly need to keep learning yeah. is super important. Okay. And, and that's really interesting what you just said about underwater or, you know, like being on location <laughs> somewhere weird. Have you actually had to do underwater oh makeup? Oh, my goodness. I have done so many things, which I'm very grateful for yeah. that I did them potentially before Instagram existed oh or, um, you know, online existed that you can make your mistakes in the privacy <laughs> of, uh, you know, at home or yeah. smaller jobs. Um, yes, I do remember, um, you know, way back when I was very um, much like say yes to everything and whatever opportunity comes your way, if you if you get asked to do something, um, you know, do it for free, do it on your weekends, say yes to assisting, whatever be hungry and be open to saying yes to any opportunity but oh my goodness I definitely have done some jobs way back when um that was like okay now you're gonna do a you know Halloween type makeup that's gonna be getting wet and you're like I have never figured this one out before yeah great I'm glad that I can figure it out back in my junior days so that now if I now if I get you know, booked on something, I feel like I've kind of experienced yeah. many different realms and, and you know, environments of doing makeup in that I've kind of learnt the mistakes in private. And I guess <laughs> that would be also the advantage of having training is perhaps you would learn some of those skills about how you yep. do do underwater makeup, yep. that's, you know, or Halloween waterproof looks. Yep. That's the sort of thing you possibly can't teach yourself, I imagine. Yeah, and like you definitely don't want to be asked to do that on a really big high profile job and be the person that's booked on it and you're like, I actually don't know how to do this or, you know, it's a big old fail halfway through because it's, you know, messed it's up. And it's, yeah, and it's not working. <laughs> the um, mascara's running everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yes, not a good look. Not no. a good look if you're booked on the job. So, yeah, that is something that I'm really big on, um, obviously sharing my experiences with my Mac artists as well. Too to maintain the prestige and the integrity of the Mac brand being a really strong industry brand. Mm. Over the past 15 years, you've had a very big career in the fashion industry. Is there anything that stands out as a career highlight for you? I think um, I definitely am really proud of being able to shoot the cover of Vogue Australia with Lord. Um, I think it, it was something that was shot here in Auckland, and and how cool to be able to shoot you know, a Vogue cover in New Zealand, it's not often that that would ever happen. It's not often that a team would fly over to us to shoot it as opposed to us, you know, being overseas internationally, shooting with crews over there. Um, So that was super cool. Uh, We shot it in Auckland. Christine from Vogue Australia flew over for it, which I'm a big fangirl of hers. So I was super pumped on that. Um, And it was really cool that uh, that Ella requested um, a local team to do her hair and makeup. Um, and yeah, the photographer flew in from Australia for it. And I didn't actually know at the time that it was going to be for the cover of Vogue. I was just requested to work on this job. And I was like, yeah, cool, great. Did you know it was with Lord? Yes, I did know it was with Lord, which was really super exciting. Um, Turned up and was like, whoa, okay, this is not just an average shoot. And then it um, was made to be the music cover. So I was super, super proud that um, not only to get the cover of Vogue, because I think that that's quite a um, makeup artist career goal, but for it also to be shot here. um, And with our girl board, like that's awesome. Yeah. What was that day like with her? Was she, you know, quite interactive with you or did she want to have a part in picking what her makeup was like or do they she leave it up to you uh she is always amazing at being really collaborative and very um respectful in terms of what everyone else can do and very open to different ideas it was such a smooth amazing show that it you know couldn't have gone better Fantastic. You've worked with a lot of celebrities, not only uh, Lord, and I we should be calling her Ella, I guess, but Lord, we'll go with that. Um, also including Rita, Aura and Fifth Harmony, just to name a couple of them. I've 
probably being a little bit cheeky here, but I just wondered, <laughs> do you have any juicy stories uh-huh. about any of them or, you know, like are there any that are super awesome to work with and you're like, yes, Rita, you're coming back or, you know. Perhaps, she was amazing actually. Yeah, well, she, she was super cool, yeah. Yeah? Any ones who are perhaps a bit more difficult or are they uh, all generally I feel like breeze? that's the blanket rule of a makeup artist. Oh, you like yes. don't share your, you know, what you get to see behind the scenes because, yeah. yes, you're, you're like a confidant. You know, it's like, like doctor-patient confidentiality. Here, you know, you're face-to-face with someone. You see people in all you know, phases of their life, whatever they may be feeling or experiencing, you know, as a makeup artist, you kind of like have to be a little bit of a counsellor and, you know, nurturer as well as creating makeup on their face because you're so close. It's so personal. It's somebody's face. So they actually care a lot about what they're going to look like. Um, I yeah, I definitely don't like to uh, share anything share and tell. too no, that, that juicy. I mean, I think my biggest you know, one thing that always uh, comes to mind when I think of that kind of situation is one of the first times that I went and um, did Global Fashion Weeks. I think it was in Milan. Um, I was backstage at a show and I had a model come sit in my chair who I didn't recognize when she sat in my chair. Um, she didn't look like the model that I saw on magazine covers at all. She sat down and then I kind of recognized who it was and she was a very famous model um, from the 2000s. And she sat down and straight away she said to me that Pat McGrath was her personal makeup artist and that she was very particular about her makeup, which she was. She wouldn't let let me use anything on her face that was mine. I had to use all of her own products and every single step of the way and every single time I touched her face, she had to check it and make sure that she was okay with what I was doing. Um, She didn't want the show look done on her at all. She wanted her own kind of personal makeup for that that particular show. It's a very tricky situation that you (laughs) need to navigate very diplomatically (laughs) that she feels amazing as a supermodel and also so that a makeup director is happy that she's got a totally different makeup on her face. Um, so it was a very trying situation. I was like, I'm going to be put through my paces big time at this particular show. Anyway, we, we got through it. It was definitely, I'm not going to lie, probably an hour makeup backstage, which is a long time to have a makeup in your chair backstage. What's that, the average sort of time? You'd like to try and finish a makeup maybe in like 25 minutes, half an hour. If the show is like tight and you're under pressure, way quicker. Wow. Um, so that was an experience. And then after that, I was <laughs> like, so oh, phew, yeah. like, you know, wipe the sweat from my brow. <laughs> and then at every single other show after that, she that she was on, she would see me and she would be like, you, you're doing my makeup at every oh single show from now on. Oh because I, God, because I've like survived the experience and she was like, you know what I like. So then every single show that season that she was in, she came back to my chair and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to have to do this bit of a every single time. It was a major compliment and mm. I was super proud of... Um, of the fact that she like fell in love with me doing her makeup. So yeah. I was stoked, but I was like, I am going to have to go through this so many times over yes. and I'm going to have to have a makeup director every single show being like, why have you done something completely different? Yeah. But, um, well, so, I just yeah. was feeling creative, uh, you know. <laughs> it happens, yeah. it happens. And you have to respect the fact that, you know, if you're working on big shows with supermodels, um, they kind of can call the shots yeah. and you know, they are the draw card for that show. The the amount of publicity and the amount of paparazzi shots they're going to be getting um, is really important. So they are the power players and it can be a lot of pressure. Yeah. Yeah. That's a hell of a story, and it's even great. I don't even need to know who it is. I'm still just I'm like, not going to say. No, no, no. That's what I mean. It's just so good to hear it. Um, I guess another question I wanted to ask you is you've seen a lot of people, whether it's celebrities or just regular people like me um, without makeup. And I am i don't want you to be dobbing people in or anything like that. But do you find on a whole that most people don't naturally have flawless skin or, you know, are most people blessed? Most people are just blessed with amazing skin if they have it. And then if not, then they will probably spend a lot more money and a lot more time on making their skin amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think, you know, if you're working in the industry and you're working with people that it's their job, to present well, if it's either models or presenters or personalities that are going to be in front of a camera, they are obviously going to spend a lot more time and a lot more money on their face and on their skin than 
us average people that are you know don't have the time or it's not our job so yeah their skin is definitely way better and if you're working um you know with models there is a reason why they are models because their skin is insane and you're like you have got the skin of a 12 year old that is why you are a a very successful model because it makes it a lot easier for makeup artists or photographers to do retouching if the skin is great anything looks good on them but your average person no of course not like we don't have you know the time or the money or you know whatever it may be to actually work on your skin so no not everyone does have flawless skin and that's why makeup artists are there to make people feel amazing in their own skin well, I guess from your perspective then what is the key to having great makeup is it having you know a really good skincare prepared routine um is it you know technique or having great bone structure what does it actually come down to great bone bone structure <laughs> definitely helps <laughs> um I think I'm such a believer in the fact that it comes down to you owning your own look you know there's a reason why you apply makeup it's to make you feel something mm. you know it's to make you feel a certain way it's to make you feel confident or to channel some kind of personality or some kind of mood that you're feeling and I'm such a believer in the fact that if that shines through like your makeup looks great you know you see this amazing beautiful you know image or like beautiful personality coming towards you as opposed to seeing a whole lot of makeup Mm. and I'm just really big on that obviously prep is really important I'm so particular about skin as a makeup artist it's one of my favorite things to do to make skin look incredible to make it look like you just woke up with this incredible glowing radiant healthy skin Mm. Um, it's one of my favorite things to do Um, so I'm really big on that like makeup is never going to look good unless you've prepped beforehand um, so skincare is super important, making sure the skin's really hydrated and choosing products that suit you too. And MAC has a really great um, you know, prep line. I'm probably saying, is it Prep and... Yes, Prep and Prime. Prep and Prime, that's it. Can you tell us a bit about those products? Like, What are the best products that people should be using before they're getting ready, putting their makeup on? To make sure you always hydrate. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, foundation is never going to look good if it's going over top of dry skin. It's going to look like foundation. And the whole point of it is that it just makes your skin look fabulous. So make sure that you're really hydrating with a lot of skincare products beforehand. Um, I adore the Prep and Prime Natural Radiance range. It's a range of primers that are hydrating too, and they give your skin a really subtle natural glow. Um, so it's designed to make your skin look a bit more perfected before you even start with any color products. Um, and and they're there to make the finish and the texture of your makeup look a little smoother too, because who doesn't want that? Yeah. And I guess it's always <laughs> the thing, isn't it? Foundation is the biggest part of your face that's covered. Yeah. And even if you've not done much eye makeup or much lip, if someone has great skin, you always notice it. It's like totally. so in your face. Totally. Which is why it's probably one of my favourite things to do, because then you can do an amazing skin and just keep everything really natural and really raw. But then if you want to do like a big old eye and a great like bold lip, Mm. um, if the skin looks good, it can carry bold makeup too. Do you have any particular, and then this could be, you know, maybe cleansers or exfoliants, moisturizers, anything like that. Are there any particular products that you um, maybe wear a lot and you just really love? Or over the years you've been like, that is really good for a lot of people. Oh, uh, I... I bet um, the list is probably it, like 100. It's, it's endless. Yeah. Um, but I am still such a lover of strobe cream. And it is... So my mum. She <laughs> loves it. Yeah. Once you go to strobe cream, you don't go back. Yeah. Um, it is just a, a luminous... Um, hydrating moisturizer that you can put on down first. It's like a magic, a magic illuminizer for your skin. So you don't need to wear any product over the top of it, but it has become like my secret every single day. I use gold light strobe cream. It's more of a gold um, filter to the skin. There's a range of different undertones in strobe cream as now as well now too. So um, there's one that creates a red light filter to your skin or one that's got the standard pink red light filter. And it just makes your skin look like it's naturally radiant. I no. feel like I can see on you. There's like a light hitting your face just perfectly. Every day like from head to toe. golden glow. Yeah. Head to toe. So I wear strobe cream all over my body every really? day too. Yes. Oh my gosh. God, that's, I wouldn't I go through a that. few tubes of it. I but, bet. Um, yeah, like, you know, like products like that are totally my fave. That's like that instant kind of invisible um, effect that it just creates like a healthiness and it creates this glow. 
Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. I'll definitely be <laughs> heading out to get some more of that. I wanted to also ask you, Kiki, about colouring when people are buying their makeup. And the reason is this because I'm someone who quite likes to experiment. I've changed my hair a number of times. Right. I was a redhead, then I was right. a blonde. Um, and what I learned through that experience was actually your clothes and your makeup and basically everything else changes when you have different hair or, you know, maybe your skin mm-hmm. is tan or it's pale or, or mm-hmm. whatever. And I guess I wanted to ask you, you know, are there certain um, basic rules to go off when it comes to hair and skin combinations? Should, you know, blondes with tan skin be sticking to golds and browns? Or, you know, if you're a redhead, should you go for sort of um, amber sort of, you know, ready colours mm. around your eyes mm-hmm. if they were blue or mm-hmm. green to make them pop? Are there, mm-hmm. are there certain things you should go for or, or avoid? Or, yeah, just I even think about my coloring. first point is I hate stipulating any kind of rules when it comes to makeup because I feel like I come across so many women and a lot of the time like slightly more mature women that have been told once upon a time there is a rule that they cannot wear this color on their face and I'm you're like, a summer what? not a winter yes throw those like autumn color shades out the window and like wear what you want to wear and wear what you love like that is that is the like key point when it comes to your makeup, if you wear it with confidence, it's going to look great. Mm. Um, so I'm I'm loath to say any kind of makeup rules because no. it should be fun and it's you should enough. experiment. However, of course, there are always going to be things that work better on different skin tones. Like, um, you know, I've definitely probably had many different hair colors over the years. Mm. And every time you change your hair color, you do need to change your makeup. Um, that... And, and to make sure it matches your skin tone. Obviously, if you're slightly more of an olive skin tone or you're a bit deeper, a warmer color palette is going to be more flattering. It's going to sit a little softer on the face. It's not going to be as harsh. Um, if you've got slightly more of like reddy undertones and more of a reddy colored, you know, red colored hair, those kind of albany, um, rusty, slightly autumn, (laughs) (laughs) hate to say it, but but tones are going to sit, you know, a little softer on the face and look more harmonious with Mm -hmm. your skin tone. So there are things that are going to work and sit um, a bit more delicately on the face in terms of coloring. But hey, you know, if you want to wear a big old blue smoky eye, that's a statement in itself. It's not designed to actually match anything. Yeah. It's it's like an accessory on your face. So rock it and like wear it flat out so it, it's warm with confidence. Would you have any advice for people with quite pale skin? Because I have a couple of friends who are quite pale and they often say the difficulty they face is even if they've got a foundation that's pretty close to their skin, it might still look just that little bit more orangey than yeah. maybe someone who has just naturally got a bit more of a golden body glow. Yeah. Yeah. Are there certain things that, you know, um, they should be doing perhaps using, you know, a translucent powder or, you know, a, a lighter foundation or anything like that? Or Foundation matching is really important. And I think, you know, if you are a, a really porcelain skin tone, it has been, you know, over the years, maybe a bit harder to find a foundation that's an exact match. Adding um, like a drop of a white foundation into anything is such a good tip though at just making everything a little bit more porcelain. Mm. You may find that a foundation has got quite a rich warm undertone or it's got a slightly richer yellow golden undertone to it but by adding a drop of white in there it will neutralize it slightly and then you're creating more of a natural porcelain base um, that it's kind of minimizing those undertones which is what probably shows through stronger if your skin's a bit paler. Fantastic Um, and I know even though I talked with last year I remember you I can still visualize exactly what you wore it was that really cool the Georgia Ellis top which is actually matching of the skirt you've got right now which is so cool yeah (laughs) and I just remember you walking in and I was like oh my god you look so cool and your makeup was amazing and you sort of had this glamorous rock and roll look about you I guess I don't know if you would Uh, love that or hate that I'm not sure I love Um, that but how would you describe (laughs) your individual style I would love to describe it as glamorous rock and roll. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I think that's me to a T. Um, I love dressing up. Yeah. It's just, you know, an extension of your personality in my mind. And I love clothes. I love presenting myself in a certain way. I love to create, like, a makeup that ties in with your mood and your styling. To me, it's kind of like how you present yourself to the world. That um, glamorous, glamorous rock and roll is good. I totally, yeah, that's um, 
that's definitely the vibe that I am always going for. Fantastic. <laughs> Ticking boxes are You can be glamorous every day, in my opinion. Oh, yes, I like that. And it's actually interesting because I do sometimes feel in New Zealand we're a bit more relaxed and casual with makeup. You know, you go overseas and yeah. people put a little bit more effort in yeah. on, on the daily stuff. I mean, yeah. we still get dressed up for events, but yeah. when it is yeah. the daily stuff, Kiwis tend to be a bit more laid back and... Yeah, I think we've come a really long way, though. It makes me really excited that I meet um, so many more people, and especially women, and maybe women that are a little bit more mature, that do feel a lot more confident now to wear makeup and to wear it in a way that makes them feel good. Mm. I think once upon a time, and especially when I started, um, New Zealand consumers were really scared to look like they'd made an effort it was like you felt like you were too much you were too extra here to actually look like you'd tried too hard or you know like and and so many women would always say oh I don't want to look like I've got makeup on like my boyfriend is gonna say it's too much or why are you so dressed up why are you so dressed up yeah and I'm like who cares and and I think we've come a really long way now that um, as a culture, I think we're a lot more comfortable to look like we've made more of an effort and yeah. we're a bit more comfortable to actually look a bit more glamorous or, yeah. Let's hope it keeps progressing that way. Then I'm, I'm well into getting dressed up and glamorous. I love that. Yeah. Um, okay, so a couple of my last questions for you. What, what do you love most about your job? The people. Yeah. For me, it's being able to work alongside other creatives and for us all to come together with our ideas and to create this magic. Um, I, I love working alongside other creative people and just like hearing where their mind goes in terms of um, their creativity and, you know, like their mood boards or what it is that they're putting together. Um yeah, there's something so special about our industry. I've always been really proud about it. There's something really cool about the New Zealand fashion industry that people are really passionate here. I think you have to be in New Zealand. Mm -hmm. Um, You have to pour a lot of yourself into your job. But I'm always told by a lot of my global colleagues, what happens in New Zealand? Like there's so much cool stuff that's coming out of New Zealand, whether it's publications and magazines or fashion designers or what we're putting out to the world. Maybe it's because we're so much more isolated. We feel like we've got more to prove yeah. or, you know, or there's that. There's know, a lot of Kiwi ingenuity in yes, the air, isn't there? Yeah, that whole like number eight wire of like being really creative here is something I've been so proud of. And yeah, there's a lot of very talented people here and I've always loved working with our industry. I think it's definitely got that Kiwi humbleness to it. We don't like to sell ourselves too much, but there is so much talent and that's that's my favourite part of my job is to collaborate with our industry. Kiki, is there one particular campaign that you are the most proud of that you've worked on or been a part of? I am super proud to be part of the Mac Viva Glam 25th anniversary campaign. Um, to be the face of Mac Cosmetics globally is quite an honour. It was incredibly intimidating. Yeah. Um, and to be part of Viva Glam, which is the heart and soul of the brand and is our philanthropic lipstick that 100% donates back to the Mac AIDS Fund, was pretty incredible. I, it was a beautiful shoot. I remember seeing photographs. <laughs> it was pretty fun. amazing. I got asked to go to New York about like a couple of days out um, to be part of something, and I really had no idea quite what it was going to be or that it was going to be a global campaign. Mm. Um, all I knew it was Viva Glam, and I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to like follow in the footsteps of like Pammy Anderson and Dita Von Tees and all my heroes that have been part of Viva Glam before. Um and got to go to New York and be part of um, this incredible shoot with a crew of other uh, Viva Glam ambassadors for this year. I was totally fangirling out because Malzi was the stylist and I'm a really big fan of his work. So, and he's Rihanna's stylist. And I was like, yes, I get to work with Rihanna's stylist. I'm a totally, total celebrity right now. Um, but it was, it is a pretty big deal. And I was so honored to be one of 12 people that are the face of Viva Glam for this year. And um, because it is the heart and soul of the brand and to represent something that is such a good cause and is really real Mm. um, was really important to me. And I've done a lot of work in New Zealand with Viva Glam and with our local charities that we donate to. And it was really cool to go and like tell your story really authentically in terms of like, this is what I've seen firsthand. This is the lives that I've seen changed and enhanced by 
you know, people just buying this, like, you know, silly old lipstick, essentially. It's beautiful lipstick. But to see that all of the money from that goes back and literally saves lives and mm. is just such an icon. You know, like, you think of Eva Glam, you think of RuPaul and, yeah. and all of these all amazing, amazing collections, they've collections done the and campaigns over the years. It's it's something Lady Gaga that, once. Yes, yes. <laughs> and, you know, we've been doing it for 25 years. And, wow. it, you know, as a brand, it's, like, kind of cool. Um, but yeah, to be part of that and to be the face of that and then to bring that back to New Zealand and to really push um, the Viva Glam story and to really drive um, awareness um, and to remove any kind of stigma or anything in New Zealand that's surrounding HIV and AIDS has been really important for me. And I'm just so proud that I got to do something so massive and, and so important too. In 2014, you won New Zealand Makeup Artist of the Year. What an honour, firstly, congratulations. Can you remember you. what that felt like, finding out that you were the best in the whole country? Because <laughs> that's pretty impressive. It was quite a, um, a very honoured and very flattered, yes, of course. Um, but it's quite a hard thing to um, measure, isn't it? Like, to put a, um, a prize or an award on being the best makeup artist. I kind of feel a little bit like I'm not that much into um, awards. I'd much yeah. rather let your work or, or what itself. you do speak for itself but mm. I was very honoured um, because you know how do you how do you define what is the best makeup artist you yeah. know there's so many different fields and so many different arenas but um, but no I, w- I was very very proud to have that accolation. Fantastic all right well I've got a couple of quick fire questions for you now this is a little section uh, that we've decided to do just you know with some of our speakers ask them a few random ones so first question super easy coffee or chocolate? Coffee. Easy. I don't really like chocolate that much. Oh, okay. There you go. (laughs) Um, What about your favourite flavour of ice cream? Hokey pokey. You're a Kiwi girl. Yeah, I am. (laughs) If you weren't born in the decade that you were born in, what decade would you pick? 70s. Why? Uh, I am like a total inner 70s wild child groupie. (laughs) Warm holiday or cold? Warm. I hate the cold. Oh, really? I would live in summer permanently. Okay. Uh, how many tattoos do you have and do you have any that are particularly your favourite? I have no idea how many I have. Um, have you ever counted? I've never counted, to be honest with you. They kind of all merge into one. Yeah. Um, I would say my favourite is the lightning bolt on my finger because I got it when I was going to go watch Slash play in Auckland and it just reminds me of a really great concert. Fantastic. <laughs> I like that. What is your favourite liquor to drink? Bourbon. Mm. Why? Just so I'm good. a bourbon and coke girl. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that fits with the rock and roll aesthetic, actually. That's good. Um, if you weren't a makeup artist, what would you be doing? For a job or in your life? Interior design. Mm, very cool. Do you have any vices? <laughs> um, yes, I do. Are we going to keep those secrets? That's okay if you want to. I need to quit smoking. That okay. is my, uh, my Okay, vice. it works with the aesthetic though. <laughs> um, do you have a song or a musician that you're really vibing at the moment? Gary Clark Jr., is my hero at the moment. I think he's incredible. All right. What about any random hobbies? Anything weird that you do? <laughs> I know, it's so on the spot that day. You weren't prepared for that. No. Yeah. <laughs> That's like, good if you don't I'm have like, any random hobbies. Like, That's great. I don't know. Might be I some people who are like, I like, like to clean at midnight shit, or something really think, weird. I'm trying to think. That's okay if you don't um, have one. It's probably not a bad thing, actually. <laughs> I actually don't. No, okay. I actually don't. Do you have a role model? Yeah, I do. Um, I love um, a create a beauty creative director called Ruba, who is based in New York, and she does incredible stuff with uh, beauty advertising. Wow, that's I must go and check her out on Instagram with a stalker. Yes, yes. All right, and Kiki, what will your life look like in fifteen years' time? I hope to have travelled to some more faraway places for work that I haven't been to before. Anywhere um, particularly on the list? I want to go to Morocco next. I'd love to go to Morocco. <laughs> oh my God, it's amazing. <laughs> Just to have some like far away St. Laurent kind of fantasy yeah. for a period. Yeah. Um, I would like to be a beauty creative director for a publication and I would like to be a creative director for a really big beauty campaign. 
Fantastic. Those are awesome. Just before we wrap up, Kiki, I um, have a couple of questions for you on behalf of some of our listeners. I put the word out before we did this recording if there was anything they wanted to ask you. Uh, And so I just have a couple of those. One of them has asked, Kiki, is there one or two items that you think every person should use in their makeup routine that most people aren't using? Hmm. I think everyone should have a lip primer. Uh, if, especially if they love wearing a lipstick day to day, an invisible lip primer is amazing for um, conditioning your lips and creating a really beautiful, smooth effect to your lip products. And a really great brow product is super important. I'm obsessed with brow gels. Anything that sets your brows into place and gives them a beautiful tint gives such a realistic looking effect to your brows that um, I cannot not wear it. And our last question is, how frequently should makeup brushes be washed and what's the best thing to wash them with? I would do it every day, but it's quite a time-consuming process if you're not a makeup artist and you're just doing your makeup for work. It is such a time-consuming process, I will agree. (laughs) It is the bane of my life. If it is just for personal makeup brushes that you use every day on yourself, wash them every one to two weeks. Um, I prefer to shampoo them, so use just a little bit of cheap baby shampoo, you know, once every one to two weeks, give them a really good cleanse out so that the water wa- so that the water washes clean afterwards, and then lay them flat to dry afterwards. Don't stand them up. Make sure that they're laying flat on a bench overnight so they have enough time to dry out, and the bristles are really nice and conditioned afterwards. If you don't want to go through the process of literally hand shampooing all of your brushes, a little bit of brush cleanser is amazing to use once a week because it dries almost instantly. So you can do that when you're just sitting down at the dinner table. Just give your brushes a little cleanse with brush cleaner. It will sterilize them and it will condition the brushes at the same time fantastic well thank you so much it's time for us to wrap up so a massive thank you Kiki for um, being our, our, my guest today um, it's very interesting to hear so much insight from you because you do know so much about this fashion industry so I really appreciate you making the time for us also to all of our loyal listeners thank you for joining us and being a part of the conversation and sending in your questions too next week Murray has another brilliant guest for you guys to listen to so make sure you tune in for that if you are loving our podcast make sure you give us a rating it allows other people to find us and you can also subscribe to get a fresh episode in your inbox every week that's it for today we'll speak again soon that was the latest from fashion and focus thanks for tuning in and being a part of our conversation if you want more make sure you subscribe to get a fresh episode in your inbox every week check out more of our episodes on your favorite podcast feed and get in touch with us at fashion and focus at showroom22.com.